How many of you know the blood still works? Come on, y'all can stay up here. Y'all stay up here. Y'all stay up here. Y'all stay up here. Yes, it works. Yes, it works. Oh, it's blood to work. Come on, I need one or two more people that can testify that are not ashamed to say the blood still works. Come on, never lost his power. Come on. celebrate the Lord's Supper right now deacons come on we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper right now somebody would be glad it reaches to the highest mountain and just in case you weren't on the mountain you were down in the valley thank God the blood flows to the lowest valley come on anybody know that the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never hallelujah to the land that, that means I'm saved today, I'm saved tomorrow, I'm going to be saved in my future. May not be all you think I should be, but thank God the blood still works. May have some slips and falls along the way, but somebody ought to be glad the blood still works. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Yeah. We come to this point in our worship experience where we celebrate what the Lord has done for us, the giving of his body and his blood as a sacrifice for us. And the Bible says when we come to this time, when we come to this place, when we come to this table, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul says, among other things, we should examine ourselves. We should examine ourselves, not examine one another, not look at what somebody is or isn't, but look in the mirror at yourself. He says, examine yourself that you will not eat or drink unworthily unto yourself. And that unworthily, drinking in an unworthy fashion has nothing to do with you because all of your righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. Yeah, you never get to the point where you're worthy. But, but what he's referring to is the body and blood of Christ that was shed for us if we treat it as anything less than the sacrificial offering to pay the price for our sins we're treating it in an unworthy fashion he says I need you to come to this table serious I need you to come to this moment with your mind on what the Lord has done for you what he has provided for you and what he expects from you. And so those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, if you wanna celebrate with us, we give you an opportunity to gather your elements as we pray and ask God's blessings on our time around this table. Ask God's forgiveness for our sins. Ask God to help us to forgive others that nothing that we have said or done would get in the way 
of us celebrating this Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We pray now, God, that everything that we have done and everything that we have said has been pleasing in your sight. We pray, God, that as we come to this table, you would first forgive us of our sins, of thought, word, and deed, the things that we have done overtly, covertly, and inadvertently. Even when we intended to do right, we still have done wrong. And we ask you to have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on us and God help us to have mercy on others who we perceive to have done wrong to us. Help us, God, to let it go that the holding on to that offense committed against us would not hurt us in our walk with you. God, when we come to this table, you have challenged us to remember, to remember what you have done, to remember what you have sacrificed. And we pray now, God, that as we come, you would sanctify and consecrate the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. That as it represents your body and your blood, it would remind us of what you have done for us and remind us of what you expect from us. We ask you to touch and bless as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say amen. Let's sing it together, just one stanza. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Calvary He took the bread, the unleavened bread, took these common elements and gave them uncommon, extraordinary, supernatural significance. He said, this is now the representation of my body, which is given for you. He said, as often as you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. Let us eat and remember his sacrifice together. Likewise, when supper was ended, he took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and after he blessed it, he poured it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, drink. This is my blood, 
which is given for you. This is the new covenant. The writer of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sins. As often as you drink this, he said, do so in remembrance of me. Let us drink and remember together. Let us pray. God, we pray that our worship around this table has been acceptable in your sight. We pray, God, that as this offering has gone forth, you would remind us consistently of what you have done for us and remind us of what you expect from us. We give you glory and honor, and we thank you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on, let's do better than that. Good morning, everybody. We greet everyone in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Man, what a blessing it is to those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web. Let me say good morning and happy new year to you. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God. I pray and thank God that you are with us today. Thank you for letting us into your personal space. Thank you for allowing us to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. You're not watching to make us a big church, me a big preacher. I'm here, we're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. And we would love for you to like us, love us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Rooted and grounded, make some noise! Man, we are so blessed and so thankful. I want to thank everybody who came out on yesterday for our Rooted and Grounded 2024 reset. Uh, we probably had three to 400 people here on yesterday and then had continued training for those who wanted to be facilitators. I think we picked up some co-facilitators as well on yesterday and just grateful for what God is doing in the life of our church. Um, God is doing some amazing things and here's one of the lessons that I want you to learn from what God is doing in our church that you can apply to yourself personally. One of the hardest things to do is to start doing what you need to do. Start doing what you should do. The second hardest thing is to keep doing what you need to do. Uh, it's one thing to get started, but man, listen, you got a whole lot of folk who are one-hit wonders. A whole lot of folk who are one-hit wonders. Uh, folk gonna start off this year with their resolutions and they go into the gym and they gonna work out and they say 75% of resolutions are already broken before they get to February the 15th, right? Because we can start, but we don't necessarily continue. And so we've gotta lean into this as we talk about changing lives. Man, we've got a special testimony today that uh, is going to be shared and that's by our discipleship coordinator, none other than Sister Toya Coleman. She's been a blessing to so many people individually and to our church, um, has captured the vision. Um, I've asked her and she's taught in classes for me that I've taught with pastors around the country and people who are beginning to adopt this philosophy of ministry to make the main thing the only thing to not have discipleship as a program, but to have discipleship as your culture. And we've seen every metric in our church go, grow, go up. And I want those who are watching, um, you may be part of a church, you may be a pastor. Man, we would love for you to join with us on this journey to make discipleship the culture of your church. Every metric of our church went up last year. When I say metric in terms of measurement, 
as to whether or not your church is moving forward in a positive way. Numerical growth, financial growth, volunteerism, spiritual growth, uh, community influence and impact. God has done some amazing things, and it's because of your commitment to allow God to use you. I want you to give yourselves a hand. Amen. Amen. Sister Toya Coleman is going to come now and share uh, her testimony with us. Come on, y'all welcome Toya as she comes. While I'm up here, I want to thank everybody with the loss of my mother recently that sent a text, a call, a card for, the, for anyone who uh, was kind enough to even come to Dallas for the service. I just want to say my heart was warmed by your presence and by your condolences, so I was, just want to say thank you to them. Okay. So um, in August of 2022, I retired. And uh, with my newfound free time, um, Pastor Cofield and I landed on uh, being the discipleship coordinator. I have to say I didn't think that it would be as big as Rooted and Grounded is, but I will say this, I am living my best life. And the reason I'm living my best life is because I'm walking in my purpose. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has purposed me for discipleship long before rooted and grounded, long before I came to Good Hope, I was discipled. I went on to disciple others. I was discipled by Tangie Stephanie. I went on and, disi and discipled Felicia Peters. I went on, as you all have heard, and discipled Tori Cofield I, I came here. I could list names, but what discipleship looks like to me is spending time around the word of God, making sure that someone is made better by that time. It doesn't have to look like rooted and grounded. We're very fortunate in that we've set up the infrastructure here that you can do discipleship in a small group community. But it can look like what I did last year. And that is with Tony Whitaker, we went through the fruit of the spirit and how that looks on women in the Bible. That's discipleship because we are growing. How does patience look on me as a woman? How does love, joy, peace? All of that is discipleship. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm living my best life because I'm walking in my purpose. So right now, I want to encourage everyone as we go into 2024 with the new resolutions and commitments and goals and all of that, to ask yourself, what am I going to do to impact the kingdom in 2024? What am I going to do to impact the kingdom in 2024? Find out what your purpose is. At Good Hope, you really don't have a reason to not know your purpose because we do Discovery 301 every quarter. Find your purpose, and you will impact kingdom work. Thank you. Come on, y'all thank God. Do I got this on? Is it on, Dave? Is that one, two, three? That's one, two, three. There we go. Man, thank God for uh, Sister Toya Como. Come on, let's give her another hand. Now, listen, um, our uh, next discipleship session is going to kick off next week. So this is the last week that you can register. Um, I want you, and listen, if you're too busy to be discipled or to make disciples, then you're really too busy to be a Christian. You're too busy to be a Christian. And if you don't have time for God, then you're in trouble. Amen? Uh, there's some things, man, that you just got to make the priority, and that's where you start building your life. And being discipled and making disciples is a place where you start building your life. We start next Sunday uh, where there will be two curriculums offered in our life groups, Living Your Faith Every Day. One will be rooted for those of you who are new to our church, for those of you who have never gone through rooted, for those of you who are middle and late adopters and you've been waiting to see if we're going to keep on doing what we've been doing. We are, and we want you to be involved and get involved in rooted and laying a foundation for your walk with God. And then for those of you who have completed rooted, if you're ready to move on, 
we would ask you to either facilitate a rooted group with new people or jump into a purpose-driven life group. And that is going to really uh, ramp you up to the next level. We want to help you discover what your purpose is for life and living. There's nothing better. I'm telling you, there's nothing better than walking in your purpose, figuring out what God has for you to do. And so I'm looking forward to God doing some amazing things. Um, we've got some other things coming up, discovering your shape on Sunday, January the 21st, Assault and Light Ministry Fair on January the 28th. Both of those are right after the 10 a.m. service. But man, it's all intended to help you fulfill your potential in the Lord and to walk in the joy of knowing that you're being used by God and you're changing lives, not just in time, but in eternity. Now, today we're going to do um, a preaching worth repeating. Um, I, I was praying, man, I was prepping, getting ready for my series, and man, I got everything laid out, and then the Lord just slammed the brakes on. And, you know, I've kind of learned over the years to be kind of sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And when, when God says move, I tend to, I try to move because I know it's hard uh, to steer against God. Amen. And uh, it just doesn't work out. But today, I really believe, and the Lord said this to me again this morning, that this is for somebody here. This is for somebody that's watching today. This word is for you. And if you apply the principles of this word in your life, it is going to change your life in a way that you can, um, you can barely uh, imagine. So I want you to be ready for what God has to say to you on today. Let's go to God in prayer. And ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you. And we bless you for this day. We pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight and that it will bring glory and honor to you. May you be glorified. May the devil be horrified. May your people be edified. That the life-changing, life-giving word of God will go forth. Have your way now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen to the word of the Lord. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit God? How can the finite render the infinite finite? How can you put binds on the blesser of your spirit? How, how can you put handcuffs on the holy? How can you put a straight jacket on sovereignty? How can you render omniscience ignorant, omnipresent stationary? How, how can you make omnipotence impotent? How, how can you limit God? How can you take the creator of the universe and bring him down to the level of the creature? The Bible says the children of Israel found a way to put limitations on God. But my brothers and my sisters, as shocking as that may be, as unbelievable as that may be, I submit to you that there are those of you who are sitting under the sound of my voice, those of you who are listening via technology, who have figured out a way, not intentionally, but unintentionally, you have figured out a way to limit God in your life. <coughs> God wants to do some amazing things in you. God wants to do some amazing things through you. 
But despite his desires, he cannot do what he wants to do because you have put limitations upon God. Can you imagine just for a moment? Give, give me that, if you will, uh, Reverend Bell, next to you. Give, give me that. Can, can you imagine just for a moment if, if God says, I'm, I'm on my way. I, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you. And you stand up before God and say, stop. God says, I want, I want to change your life. Stop. I want to open up doors for you that nobody, stop, God, stop. I don't want those blessings. I don't want that deliverance. I don't want that way made. And the truth of the matter is, even though we don't hold up a literal stop sign, you know what we end up doing with our attitudes and our actions? We tell God no. We put limitations on God. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to release the God you have restricted. How to release the God you have restricted. Our text today is Psalm 78. Psalm 78. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline and you are watching, you can go to our uh, app and you can download the outline and you can fill it in and copy it and send it to yourself and have it for your records. This psalm is regarded as the first and greatest of the historical psalms. It is an inspired comment on the sacred history, recording God's repeated mercies and Israel's repeated sins. Uh, the writer of this psalm, Asaph, uh, reviewed the history of his people, and he saw a pattern in his people that kept them from fulfilling their God-given potential. Uh, they would forget. They would act foolish. They would fail to follow God faithfully, they would be chastised by God, they would repent, they would get on the right path only to repeat the cycle again with God. And it's in Psalm 78 that the writer shares with us what in essence is a formula for failure if you want to miss God's best blessings for your life. He builds a lot of this around the children of Israel and that generation that missed the promised land. But we see this in the history of the children of Israel. It was not just the specifics of the promised land that the children of Israel uh, missed God's blessings. They repeatedly would go through this cycle of repenting and following God and then becoming uh, foolish in their living and then God would have to chastise them and, and drive them down and use their enemies to beat them down and then they would come back to God asking God for mercy and they'd start all over again. Three things I want you to see today if you're going to release the God you've been restricting in your life. Here's the first one. Number one, you need to realize you can limit what God can do in your life. You need to realize you can limit what God can do in your life. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 41 in the King James Translation says, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That phrase, turn back, uh, literally means to retreat, uh, to decide to go backward instead of going forward. Uh, you remember the children of Israel got into the wilderness because of their own disobedience. That generation had to die in the wilderness, and, and the Bible says, even before they got to the promise that Moses was trying to deal with them. And you remember they were complaining constantly in the wilderness. They had been delivered out of Egyptian bondage 
and the Bible says they're in the wilderness. They're getting ready to go to the promised land, but there's a problem because you've got this generation that just won't believe God. And, and the Bible says they started petitioning, talking about we should have stayed in Egypt. We, we should have stayed in Egypt. Let, let's go back to Egypt. And, and it's interesting because what they missed was it took a miracle to get them out of Egypt. It took a miracle to get them to cross the Red Sea. And God is not in the habit of performing miracles to send people back into bondage. You can go back into bondage by yourself. And the Bible says they tempted God. They tried him. They demanded proof from God. God, can you, can you give us water? Can you give us meat? We, we're complaining. We, we, we're crying like the old folks used to say, crying hungry with a loaf of bread under your arm. You, you cannot rejoice. You cannot see the blessings of God in your life right now because you are complaining about what you don't have instead of celebrating and being thankful for what you do have. And the Bible says they limited God. Uh, that word limit means to, to vex, uh, to cause pain, to, to wound, uh, to cause another person's discomfort uh, because of your attitude or your actions. They, they wounded God. If somebody is wounded, if somebody is vexed physically, um, they can't move that body part like they would if it was healthy because it is wounded, right? And, and if your spirit is vexed, you can't move like you normally would because you have a vexed spirit. Can you imagine wounding God? Can you imagine vexing God? But the Bible says the children of Israel figured out a way how to limit God. Let, let me give you two ways. Write this down somewhere on your outline. Let me give you two ways that I figured out you can limit God. Now, there's a whole lot of other ways, but let me give you two biggies. Uh, first, you can limit God when you bring the creator down to the level of the creature. When you bring the creator down to the level of the creature and you act as if you know more than God knows so that not only do you want to give God instruction, but you don't want to receive from God what he's trying to teach you, you will limit God. You look at God and you say, well, God, I know as much as you know. See, this is how I see it. This is how it's supposed to be. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Watch this. Here's what I've learned. Many people think just because they're saved that every idea they come up with is sanctified. Just because they are saved, just because they've been washed in the blood and sealed by the Spirit, that somehow every thought they have must be from God. And God says, no, 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 you're limiting me if you think me and you are the same. Uh, here's the second way we limit God. We, we limit God when we require God to do what we want, when we want it, how we want it. Yeah, you, you place limitations on God when you say, now, God, this, this is the way I want to be blessed. This is the way you have to do it. And, this, and, and God is saying, no, 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 I've got too much to work with. I, I just need you to start praying some more general prayers like your will be done. And, Lord, what are you blessing? And let me move to where you're blessing instead of you requiring God to bless where you are, even when you are in the midst of your own self-created mess. He says, you've got to learn how to stop limiting God. We, we want to blame saints. We want to blame sinners. We want to blame the devil for what we are failing to accomplish, for what we are not acquiring, for what we are not doing, for where we are not. And he says, no, the problem is a self-imposed limitation that you have placed upon yourself and upon God. The writer wants you and I to take responsibility for the limitations that we've placed on our own lives. 
and the limitations that we've placed on our own God. Here's the second thing. Not only do you need to realize you can limit what God wants to do in your life or can do in your life, but number two, you need to identify the attitudes and actions that cause you to limit God. You need to identify the attitudes and actions that cause you to limit God. If you want to release God in your life, what are you doing that's holding God back? What are you doing? Listen, if God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly in your life above all you can ask or think and you don't have it and you're not walking in it, what are you doing to limit God? A, forgetfulness. Yeah, it's right there in the text. Look at verse 7, Psalm 78 that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Uh, Verse 11, Psalm 78, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime, he also led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Hungry in the wilderness. God gives them hamburger and they say, well, can 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 we get some Wagyu? Can we get some steak? I mean, if he's God, can't he do more? But they were forgetful. They forgot what God had done. Can I tell you something? Those of you who have a few years on you, those of you who have your AARP card plus, sometimes it's good for you just to stop. And talk to those who are behind you and teach them where you came from and how you got where you are. That that you didn't always live with a TV in every room. You you didn't always have uh, five and six phone numbers attached to your family. You didn't always have the ability just to open the refrigerator and and decide what you had a taste for. You didn't always have the ability to stand in front of the closet and and see what kind of mood you were in and determine what you're going to wear and which one of the four or five different pair of shoes, the same color, you're going to wear with that outfit. You haven't always had that ability. He says they forgot. And and listen, listen, whenever you forget what God has done, you can't be reminded of what God can do. Some of y'all need to stop and just remember what God has done. Like, Like he didn't just start doing great things in your life. He he didn't just start looking out for you. He didn't just start watching out for you. They were forgetful. How are you going to forget that God parted the waters and let you walk across on dry ground? How are you going to forget that God provided water and manna and be so unappreciative that you start asking for steak and, and quail in, in the wilderness and God has been taking care? How are you going to See, God do something great when you forgot what God has already done. 
they were forgetful. But watch the second thing. It's right here in the text. Not only were they forgetful, but look at, at Psalm 78, verse 8. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not, there it is, faithful to God. A, they were forgetful. B, they were faithless. Faithlessness caused them to limit God. Uh, verse 22, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Look at verse 36, Psalm 78. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. Can I tell you something? Don't miss the order because when you are forgetful of what God has done, you can't be faithful to what God wants you to do. They were faithless. They didn't remember what God had done so they couldn't trust him for what they wanted him to do. Faithlessness. Where's your faith? You walk around here with self-imposed amnesia, spiritual Alzheimer's. Where's your faith? How far has God brought you? But you have forgotten how far you've come. So you don't think you can go any further. And you limit what God wants to do. Here's the third third thing, and, and, and it's right there in order. Look at verse 9 and 10. The children of Ephraim being armed, armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. I told you, number one, they were forgetful. Number two, they were faithless. Here's the third thing. They were fearful. Now, I want y'all to park right here for a minute with me. The text says they were armed and carrying bows, which means they had weapons of warfare. God had already assured them of the victory. Listen to what God never promised them. He never promised them they wouldn't have to fight. He did promise them that whatever fight they would be in, he would be with them and they would be victorious. And the Bible says they were afraid. They were scared. And they turned back in the day of battle. Don't miss the order. When you are forgetful, you're going to be faithless. And when you lack faith, you make room for fear. were afraid. What, what are you scared of? What are you afraid of? Some of y'all running around here talking about, I want more in 2024. That's your slogan. That's your saying. More in 2024. More in 24. You, you can't get more in 2024 when you are forgetful, faithless, and fearful. The children of Israel limited God because they were forgetful, they were faithless, and they were fearful. They couldn't trust God for what he wanted to do because they forgot what he had done. They had been faithless in terms of what he commanded them to do, and they were afraid to trust him with what he would do. Here's the third and final thing. If you're going to release the God, you've restricted. I told you, number one, you need to realize you can limit what God can do in your life. Number two, you need to identify the attitudes and actions that cause you to limit God. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must intentionally release God to be God in your life. 
you must intentionally re release God to be God in your life. Everybody say intentionally. Listen, you cannot see God be God in your life by accident. It does not happen by happenstance. It doesn't just fall out of the sky. You can't reach up and pull it down. No, you've got to be intentional about what you want God to be in your life. If, if nothing else, for somebody today, this first Sunday in the new year, let, let your word be intentional. Be, be intentional about what you want God to do. You, you've got to be intentional about turning God loose. If you have been limiting God based on your forgetfulness, your faithlessness, and your fearfulness, what do you need to do to turn God loose? Look at A. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember what the Lord has done. Uh, verse 5, Psalm 105, the New King James translation says, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. He says, remember his marvelous works. Now, now here's part of the problem. Part of the problem with you remembering what the Lord has done is that much of what the Lord has done, you didn't give him credit for when he did it. See, you, you can't remember what he's done when you claim that you were so smart, you were so connected, you, you had it going on so much, and you start taking credit for what God ought to be getting the glory for. He says, no, 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 you've got to remember. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He says, remember, remember that you were once lost but now you are found. Remember that you were once in darkness, but now you're walking in the light. Remember that God is your Savior and your way maker. He says, remember. But, but he didn't stop there. Look at B. He says, realize what the Lord is doing in your life right now. Realize what the Lord is doing in your life right now. Uh, he, he, he challenges us to focus on the Lord's ability instead of projecting your inability on God. Mark 10, 27, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. There's somebody right now, I know I'm talking to you, you're watching me, you're in this room right now, and there's somebody right now, God, thank you, Holy Spirit, is already bringing to your mind a place where you have been limiting God, and it's been a self-imposed limitation on your own life. You've been your own dream killer. You ain't killing somebody else's dream, you kill your own dream. Man, you could do that. I don't know if I can do that. What you mean you don't know if you could do that? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Look, I had a friend of mine call me, and he, he said to me, he said, man, he said, uh, Kofi, he said, I, I, I felt like I needed to call you because uh, I'm thinking about going back to school. And I said, man, that's great, man. He said, yeah, man, but I've been struggling, man, because, you know, I, I'm looking at it, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, man, you know, I'm old, man, and. You know, I'm, I'm 70, man. And man, I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just, Lord just led me to call you. And I said, well, well, where are you in the process? He said, well, you know, I took some classes here and there, but, you know, I got to get my stuff together and whatnot. I said, okay. I said, how long is it going to take you to get your degree? He said, well, man, probably about five years. I said, man. I said, so, so that means you'd be 75 when you get your degree. He said, yeah, man, I'd be old, man. 
I said, okay. I said, how old are you going to be in five years if you don't get your degree? Some, somebody going to get that on the way home. He said, he said, well, I'll be 75. I said, so you, your choice is not how old you are. It's whether you want a degree at 75 or you don't want one. Why kill your own dream? God is a dream giver, and too many of us are dream killers. And we not only will kill somebody else's dream, that's why you always got to be careful who you share your dream with. But the greatest tragedy is when you kill your own dream. God is doing something in you right now. He, he didn't just start. He's been doing, he's been preparing you all this time for what he is preparing for you. I'm, 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 I'm blessed. God is allowing me to do some things now that I have desired and dreamed and started, and some of it 30 years ago, some of it 40 years. In my mind, I saw, I just didn't see the time between the time he showed me and the time he allowed it to come to pass. But I can honestly say every step of the journey, he has prepared it for me. And God never expects me, listen carefully, to take past lessons and allow past lessons to keep me from claiming the fulfillment of present promises. Here's the last thing. See, rest and rely on what the Lord can do for you. Rest and rely on what the Lord can do for you. Verse 7, Psalm 37, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm, for evildoers shall be cut off but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. How many times have you done it? Complained about those who are not in your mind even trying to do right. And you complain about how they're blessed and how God is not blessing you in the same fashion. Let, let me see if I can put a cord in the meter and park here for a second. Uh, you, you praying for a spouse, and you see some raggedy folk that have gone through two or three spouses, and you're like, Lord, can I get one? Can I just get one? Get, just get one good one. She done had three or four. He, he done had four or five. Can I just get one good one? Right? Um, this pastor who was complaining about another preacher who had three or four churches. And he seems to mess up when he goes to a church. He said, man, I just want one. Can I get one? Why won't the Lord give me one? And, and you've got to learn how to rest in and trust God. God's timing is perfect. Can, can I tell y'all something? I've, I've told you this before, but let me say it again because it fits here. Nothing good in the English language exists when you put the word premature in front of it. Sometimes God has to get something ready for you. But every time, God's got to get you ready for what he's getting ready for you. Because your desires are premature because your maturity is not at a place where you can handle the blessing right now. God says, I got to get you ready. 2 Samuel 22, I'm closing now. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. 
the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Somebody in here today needs to decide, somebody who's watching right now, you need to decide how the rest of your life is going to look. Don't allow holding on to your past to keep you from grabbing hold of a better future. Don't allow a familiarity and a codependency with a known past to keep you from exploring what God has for you in the future. You've got to decide where will you put your trust? In whom will you put your trust? You need to decide if you're going to have more in 2024 to let God have his way in your life. You need to let God be God in your life. You need to do your part and then trust God to do his part. But never put limits on what God wants to do for you. Uh, my mother was a, was a great cook. Um, I didn't get this size by accident. Um, some of it was genetic, but a whole lot of it was nourishment. And uh, when I would come home, or when she would come visit me before she moved to Houston, uh, I would ask her to fix some of my favorite dishes, you know, like, like only she could. And, and so one day she asked me what I wanted to eat. Uh, Brother Davis and I told her, and I'm going on about my business. So I came down in the kitchen, and she had all these ingredients laid out on the counter. And, and I went into the kitchen and I started looking at some of the ingredients. And I said, um, Mom, are you going to fix what I asked you to fix? She said, yeah, I'm doing it now. And I said, you going to fix it now? She said, yeah. I said, but I don't like that. <laughs> and I pointed at one of the ingredients on the counter. And then I saw another one. And I said, no, I don't, I don't eat that. And she just looked at me, and then I, I, I got ready to point at another ingredient. I said, you putting that in there? She said, boy, she said, did you ask me to fix it? I said, uh-huh. She said, and you like it when I get through, don't you? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, then get out the kitchen and let me do the cooking. And all I'm trying to help somebody to see is sometimes you put limits on God. Because you walk in the kitchen, oh my God, I don't like that. God, I don't know what you're doing with that. No, no, God, that's not what I asked for. And God says, if you trust me, I will do what no other power can do. Now, y'all, I'm going to leave you with this thought. I'm going to leave you with this thought, and then I'm going to take my seat. I told you it's bad when God wants to bless you and you put the stop sign up in front of God. Can I tell you what's worse? When you put the stop sign in your own face and you holding the sign that stops yourself. Nobody's holding a stop sign in front of you. Now, now, don't blame the devil. The devil didn't do it. Don't blame your mama, your daddy. Don't, don't blame anybody. You holding a stop sign in front of your face, and it's so close, all you can see is stop. And God says, can you move the sign from in front of yourself and move the sign from in front of me so I can do what no other power can do in your life?
And all of God's people said amen. Father, we thank you. And we bless you. We're going to trust you like we've never trusted you before. We're going to let you have your way like you've never had it before, God. Bring to our remembrance, bring to our mind when we have been forgetful, when we have been faithless, when we have been fearful and we have allowed those actions and attitudes to hinder us. Remind us, God, of when we have put the stop sign up in front of our own face. Help us, God, to step out and trust you to do what no other power can do. Help us to claim the promised land that you have for us. Help us to walk in the blessings that you have put our name on. Help us to receive your direction so we can walk in our purpose for life and living. And help us to understand that our purpose is never to be defined by cash, cars, commodities, clothes, creature comforts, or the like, but that our true purpose is found when we're used by you to help people who need you to know you, help people who know you to grow in you. We bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.